Hello and welcome to Cityware Selectors podcast. Let's talk about ESG. I'm Margarita Kirakosian, Deputy Editor, and joining me today is Anne Ackerman, former head of ESG and Impact Fund Selection at Credit Suisse. Anne, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Margarita. It's a pleasure. And I was wondering if we could get started actually with the biggest changes that you've seen in sustainable and impact fund selection in the last couple of years, because you were one of the pioneers in the space. And I think a lot of changes did take place uh, since you've even started selecting these kind of strategies. Yes, indeed. Uh, it has definitely involved uh, a lot in recent years. Um, I think the most important change is uh, that there are now a lot more players, a lot more strategies that are being launched and that we can choose from. Um, talking particularly about impact investing used to be you know, smaller asset managers, boutique type, types of um, asset managers, um, a lot of focus on, on private market, microfinance is a typical example. And we see now also with the evolution uh, of the definition of you know, what is an impact investment, um, some strategies available in uh, liquid markets and uh, more strategies in general to look from, to choose from. Um, perhaps one negative aspect of this evolution, um, there are no standards, as we know, for you know, what is a sustainable or an impact strategy that is really accepted by all. And we see strategies, you know, marketed, for example, as an impact strategies that perhaps actually are not that different from a sustainable thematic um, strategy, even ESG integration. Um, and hence, with this increase in the, the number of products uh, to choose from of the number of players in the market launching sustainable strategies, we also have to be, you know, um, increasingly careful when selecting and uh, do this strategy really match our own definition of what we consider an impact investment. And that makes me think about regulations, because this is one piece that is meant to help us avoid confusion. And the first bird was obviously SFDR. So what kind of role do regulations like these actually are playing for the sector? And what are the unique challenges connected to this as well? They definitely play uh, an important role. Ultimately, it's all about increasing transparency and setting minimum standards. We, we just discussed earlier, um, there are no broadly accepted um, standards for what represents sustainable impact investments. Uh, obviously, there are guidelines, uh, but they're not really strict or really uh, implemented uh, by everyone. And the role of regulations, um, such as SFDR, is really to set these minimum standards and to increase transparency uh, for investors. The challenge, uh, that's really the biggest challenge today, is that um, looking at SFDR, Article 8 in particular, we still see a pretty huge range of you know, the types of strategies that are actually being classified, Article 8 SFDR. Um, some funds have little to no ESG integration, uh, minimal exclusion of the investment universe that particular fund covers. And so um, you can't really rely 
nowadays on a fund being classified as Article 8 or 9 SFDR to say for sure this is a sustainable strategy. Uh, you really still have to perform a thorough due diligence. And so this is really the biggest challenge. It is evolving. But nowadays, um, the, the discrepancy in the range of strategies we see being classified um, still demonstrate uh, a lot of improvements has to have to be done. Mm -hmm. And this is a very interesting point you are making. And what I was wondering, if you can't just take labels like Article 8 and Article 9 for granted, so what can sustainable and impact fund selectors do to tease that information out? So what kind of killer questions, so to say, can you ask fund managers to work out if their sustainability claims are genuine or just greenwashing? It's a very good question. I think it's there's not just you know one question you have to ask, but it's about um, performing a thorough due diligence. I think more and more, or I hope we will be able to rely on either um, classification like SFDR or perhaps also um, fund ratings. But nowadays, the reality is that um, we still see huge discrepancies and. Um, each selector will have its own definition or each company will have its own definition of what are sustain what is a sustainable fund, what is an impact fund, and it has to match yours. Um, and so what is really important is just to spend time on the strategy, spend time discussing not only with the, the PM, but also with the sustainability team uh, of that particular asset manager, really understanding in depth how do they define sustainable investments, impact investments, uh, what uh, or how have they integrated sustainability in a particular strategy? Uh, and this is um, it's time consuming, but necessary. And uh, have you ever had an experience of actually certain behaviors setting off alarm bells, especially when it comes to sustainability and ESG assessment? Because I, for example, heard in the past that if the ESG teams or ESG analysts uh, are sitting separately from, for example, um, main portfolio managers and they barely seem to communicate, well, this is something that clearly is potentially a problem. So in terms of those telltale signs where maybe even in the past you went like, I think that doesn't stack up very well. So can you give any examples of these kind of uh, alarm bells? Well, you're, you're spot on with your example. <laughs> this is something we, we, uh, we do look at. Um, so if you have a, a, a great sustainability team, but that has no voice you know, within a particular company, um, that has no no power um, to implement or make changes. I think that's a, a pretty big red flag. Um, so you want to see that they are really um, have been able to integrate, you know, their thinking uh, and to, you know, pass through the message why in the integration of ESG factors, uh, the focus on sustainability is important. So if we feel that um, sustainability is more like a hurdle for a PM, that you know they build a strategy and then they have to kind of pass the sign off of a sustainability team, it's usually um, not a, a great sign. I think um, I think strategies that are, have also you know only recently implemented um, sustainability um, that, that that have shifted. Uh, with the focus on more, you know, sustainability, sustainable investments, you also have to pay really attention to, you know, how good um, sustainability has truly been integrated. And does it 
make sense, for example, for fund buyers to be interviewing both an ESG analyst and the lead portfolio managers, potentially even in the same room or even separately from each other. So does that give kind of like results that you're looking for when scrutinizing their sustainability credentials? Yes, I think that's definitely really important. I think even in a traditional fund due diligence, uh, you would, you know, interview not only the PM, but also, you know, the team that supports him in the strategy. So for sustainable strategies, it's only logical to make the same uh, decisions and interview, you know, not just um, the main portfolio or lead portfolio managers, but really the teams, the people that are supporting him uh, in the strategy. Absolutely. In in the industry, we've seen recently a lot of hires on the ESG front. And I think, kind of like for the lack of a better word, heads of ESG became a sought after commodity because there are so few of them who have a long enough track record that everybody wants to have them. But aside from even like heads of ESG, you have loads of ESG analysts, a lot of people retraining as ESG analysts. So does it ever worry you when the firm starts aggressively hiring hiring multiple ESG analysts for the team? And uh, if not, why not? It doesn't per se, I think, worry me. Um, I think it's how it is. It's more how the information is presented. Um, Because I also see um, a lot of the younger generations, um, unlike me when I was studying and this was pretty much, you know, sustainability was pretty much uh, non-existent. Nowadays, it's very often integrated in a, in a curriculum. Uh, and that's really interesting. And we see a lot of really great uh, young people uh, with actually a pretty good knowledge of sustainability and uh, also very important, a commitment, a passion. And this is, you know, I think very important. So um, it's about perhaps how the information is is, is um, communicated or, or uh, marketed. Um, you can't make up years of experience, uh, but it's more about, for me, how the team works together, um, how they are integrated into the entire business, making sustainability hires um, for, for a marketing purpose, um, I think it will very quickly, you know, become apparent that it's uh, not going to work or they won't have like a true impact on the business. So it's not really about the number of people, uh, the CVs of the people, but it's more about the commitment of the business, of the leaders, you know, the people running the business. Um, how do they actually support um, all the sustainability experts in their quest to make their own business more sustainable? And- I came across as well those two schools of thoughts amongst asset managers. Some are saying, well, we need the head of ESG and we need to kind of like have it top down. Whilst others are like, well, this is something that we need to do as a firm. So our, for example, CEO is per se our head of sustainability. So have you ever come across kind of like this interesting dilemma? And what is your take on this? I don't think there's only one way to run a business uh, or one way, you know, to integrate sustainability. Um, so, you know, it's not that perhaps one is better than the other or should be done. It really depends on, you know, how the business is run. As I said, I think it's, for me, what I want to see is that, um, sustainability is not just uh, a nice box in an orchard, but it's really, uh, has been integrated in business. And here we're not just talking about the investment process, but really, you know, 
the entirety of the business uh, so that the business also has a, a you know a good uh, a focus on their own employees right the importance of human capital uh, the the you know that uh, they, themselves they set targets in terms of you know environmental uh, factors or, or, or climate uh, and this is what is most important obviously if this is not supported at a high level. Um, at some point, probably um, there will be struggles. Uh, but I think this is really the important um, thing to look at. And I'm glad that you brought the social aspect, uh, because I think the social part of the ESG acronym is becoming ever more powerful. And we're even seeing a bit more products dedicated to the social part of ESG coming to the market. So how do you see this specific trend evolving, for example? Yes, I'm, I'm really happy about that development personally. Um, you know, as the social factor, you know, factors that affect the lives of humans, they play a crucial part in sustainable strategies. And now finally we see more uh, strategies, more funds we can choose from that focus on the S. Uh, the last three years were really uh, a lot of strategies focusing on environmental factors, on the E, uh, but now there is really this shift uh, obviously due to world events in, in recent years. Uh, but yes, this is a nice an, a nice shift. And um, what is also interesting about these funds, they move away perhaps from the more classic S themes um, related to human. Often we saw gender length funds, which are very important. Um, but it's interesting to see now that um, there is a sort of a shift to a more broad um, aspect of human capital, which I find very interesting. If we talk about, you know, a, a company, and then obviously there's also human rights, protection of minorities, basic needs, uh, where we see strategies emerging, uh, which are really interesting. What we saw as well, what we see as well at the moment, um, is that the S uh, is not only uh, implemented in, in equity strategies, but also on the fixed income side. Um, there has been a, an increase in the social bond market. And um, as, so there are now a few strategies and that are coming to the market that focus on social bonds. So it's really good to see we will have a choice uh, with S strategies, not only on the equity side, but also on the fixed income side. Taking the conversation back to regulations, what I find interesting is that, of course, we have Article 6, that is all managed products, Article 8, which is promoting uh, environmental and social characteristics, and Article 9, which has sustainability as its investment objective. Uh, we started hearing increasingly more that CEOs of asset management companies are coming out saying, well, Article 6 funds are now effectively legacy funds. Well. Now, that's not quite backed up by the flows yet, but I was wondering, what is your take as a fund selector on this? Do we really see Article 6 funds being frozen out of the investment universe? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good, but also a very difficult question. Um, for sure, we see a huge focus on sustainability increase in, you know, in the last few years. Um, this leads to distributors, manufacturers focus on developing their sustainable offering. Um, and obviously, there is also more demand on the investor side. Um, as you, you say rightly, uh, the flows 
you know, are not all going to sustainable strategies, but we still see a shift uh, on the demand side, on the investor side. Uh, you know, really, I think more and more people are now um, somehow aware of, you know, the importance uh, their investments can have that you should align your investments perhaps to your personal values or the power you can have as an investor to also make a change um, and hence we see also more demand um, this will more certainly increase so yes it can feel that if you're not offering you know strategies classified as article 8 or article 9 you have little chance uh, to sell these funds uh, and yes I think that some type of strategies, mostly non-sustainable strategies, will probably struggle uh, to raise funds, even perhaps disappear in the coming years. But the reality is, um, it's still not that easy to, you know, uh, find enough good sustainable funds to build a, a diversified portfolio. In particular. You know, to cover specific sectors, to cover specific regional allocation. Uh, we still struggle to find good sustainable funds. We have to be mindful of that. And I think uh, just, you know, take that into account as well when looking at strategies. Um, which areas do you think um hardest to cover with like Article 8 and Article 9 funds, for example? Because I can think of... Uh, well, it's hard for me to to imagine that a commodities fund, for example, can be classified as Article 8, for instance. And there are loads of alternative areas that spring to mind that might be not necessarily suited even for those categories. Yes, no, exactly. I think it's um, yeah, typically in commodities, um, there is even more, I think, a, lo a lack of minimum standards um, or industry standards um, if you want to even try to, to build a sustainable strategy. Um, here, perhaps one, one way to look at is, you know, how can you actually focus on improvement? Um, sustainable investing is not just about, you know, investing in the good, but it's also about how can I use uh, um, my, my investments to improve? And so perhaps this is one way to look at it, but we still have definitely a, a lack of products here. Uh, uh, in this particular sector. And I was thinking, and I don't know if you ever came across those uh, when you were selecting funds, but nowadays we have also quite a few cryptocurrency-focused either ECFs or funds. Has that ever come up in your work? And again, sustainability credentials of such strategies, I think just very hard to establish, I would imagine. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, I must honestly say I have not seen anything in that space. Uh, that claim to be sustainable. Um, so it will be interesting to see uh, who comes with the first product, <laughs> if possible. But here, I think it's, for me, it goes even beyond just sustainability, right? The, the lack of regulation uh, in, in this space. Um, perhaps that has to come first, <laughs> and then we can look at uh, um, the type of sustainability standards we should set. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the short answer is no, not yet. Mm-hmm. And you have been working with a lot of asset managers when doing fund selection. So who do you think is doing the best job and why? For me, I think, you know, the, the, the smaller asset managers, boutique types that have a sole focus on sustainable impact investing or that have since 
their launch really been focusing only on sustainability, um, they usually do a good job because they also walk the talk. Um, I mentioned the importance of integrating sustainability in all parts of the business, not just an investment process earlier. And I think, you know, this is what these asset managers, um, specialized asset managers do. They have sustainability in their DNA. Perhaps they have uh, registered um, to be a B Corp. They really walk the talk. And usually um, they're doing a great job at, um, you know, managing sustainable impact strategies, but also having the right amount of transparency. And I think this is really key. Um, when if you want to be like an important a good players in uh, sustainable investing is that you have a lot of transparency i'm not just talking about you know a nice shiny esg reporting for um specific funds but really um you have to give access um to different people in the business that must be able to talk about um their def their definition or the business's definition uh, and of sustainable investing, the importance of sustainability for their own business. Um, and we see that also when we, you know, for example, send out due diligence questionnaires, how uh, the different questions are answered, um, how much transparency we will get. And this is a, a big sign of managers doing a good job because they can be very transparent. Um, and we, we, I think we, we talked about, uh, in earlier questions, we talked about, you know, the importance for larger asset managers, um, not only building meaningful, sustainable um, investment team or sustainability teams uh, that have a real voice within the company, but also, you know, truly integrating ESG in all parts of the business. Um, these managers, again, that have managed to do that, uh, they also, I think, do a, um, a good job. Um, it's not just about, you know, having your own um, assessment of ESG factors, your own um, kind of uh, metrics or, or rate rankings. Um, it's not just about having a, a nice sustainability teams, but it has to be really a true integration in the business and um, ultimately walking the talk. Mm -hmm. No, that makes perfect sense. And I was wondering uh, how much attention should investors pay to fund names and if strategies have sustainability or ESG in the name? Because I see, for instance, loads of Article 8 funds that, that don't have sustainability or ESG in the name. So when you were selecting funds, was that a factor in any way? Did it give funds more credibility to put it on the thing, so to say? It's definitely an indicator, um, can be used as a filter if you use, you know, databases when you when you select a product. Should definitely not be the sole consideration uh, because we've also seen funds with some um, sustainable sustainability ESG impact in the name that were very very far from, um, you know, what we thought should be a sustainable or an impact fund. Um, I think, as we mentioned earlier. Nowadays, in, in sustainable investing, you still have to perform a very thorough due diligence. Um, so a name is not enough or having ESG in the name will not be enough. Being Article 8, Article 9 might not be enough. Um, having a clean, you know, holding space analysis also might not be enough. So you really have to look at and understand all the different aspects of uh, a product due diligence to make sure 
that the fun is really um, in line with you know what you understand of um, a sustainable investment or an impact investment. So yeah, an indicator, but definitely you know not uh, shouldn't be the sole uh, criteria. And another interesting thing about that, I think, is reporting, because as I look at fact sheets these days, you have a lot of kind of like ESG information, but it's so kind of like vastly different and it zooms in on such vastly different aspects that it's just very hard to make any sense from the fact sheet alone, for example. So what, what's your take on ESG reporting of funds? Yeah, here again, I think the issue is that um, you can put more or less anything you want or more or less anything to make your product look good, if I may say that. Um, and so th- there is a, a risk um, that um, perhaps potential investors misunderstand um, what a product product actually is or invests in. Um, so again, you have to be careful, look at it thoroughly. So are these actually the mit- the metrics that say, you know, something interesting about the product? Are these the right ESG metrics to use um, for a particular fund? So you shouldn't, um, yeah, you should uh, really look at this in detail um, and make sure that they are in line with what you're looking for, you know, that uh, these metrics are the right metrics uh, to analyze a fund. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, because you were doing ESG and impact fund selection, and I think I know what the difference would be, but like from your perspective, what, like why kind of like looking at those differently? And kind of like how does it differ again to select impact funds opposite to ESG funds in terms of criteria you, you are looking at and what you're trying to get from due diligence side of things? You're looking at <clears throat> different things. Um, sustainable strategies, by definition, will very often have integrated ESG factors in an investment process um, and so they will you know reduce uh, the investment universe um, because of you know this ESG integration because of the exclusions um, they will have done um, you know for example tobacco you know alcohol weapons etc which are you know, typical um, exclusions and ESG integration you will look at you know um, climate related factors, we talked about the S factors, look like human capital, um, gender equality, and obviously we didn't talk about the G, but also very important, right? All the governance aspect. Um, and so you're going to look at, um, for example, looking at ESG integration, how well ESG has been integrated, how much of the investment universe has been reduced by adding these ESG metrics and um how well basically the strategy is managed or how well um, does the PM also somehow believe in uh, the in sustainability as a whole, I guess. With impact, is as if you go one step further, um, you look at what impact an investment will have. So I mentioned earlier, uh, the typical classical old school example of impact is microfinance. So it used to be really focused on on private markets because you can really measure, you know, your investment. Um, investing in the public market, you can't really measure the impact of an investment, and you can do that. You know, microfinance, how many, 
you know, uh, people have you have received uh, a loan, uh, or how many people live in rural versus urban uh, um, areas have received loans and can perhaps uh, continue to manage their own business, etc. Um, and so, with I would say the shift in a little bit in what we consider as impact and the fact that impact strategies have been launched also from the liquid side uh, on the on the equity side in particular um, you have to look at how do you have an impact and so for example through engagement you can have an impact um, as a as a shareholder but it has to be you know just not just a side thing um, linked to a sustainable strategy it has to be you know the, a purpose um, how do you want to engage with company? What are the topics you want to engage? And how you know, persistent are you going to be? Um, so you will look at very different things, uh, factors, when looking at a sustainable strategy versus an impact strategy. And that will involve, I assume, for example, a measuring CO2 footprint or the amount of water saved. So it's a slightly different conversation from just kind of ESG integration funds. Exactly. So typically you might find these types of metrics uh, in sustainable thematic strategies where you invest, you know, um, in a particular theme, um, can be circular economy, water, um, as you mentioned. And here typically you want to see metrics such as, you know, so if I invest in a fund um, that claims to um, focus on circular economy, you know, how much water to the businesses uh, save compared to perhaps a more traditional business in the same industry, um, how much you know, CO2 is reduced, etc. And what are the biggest changes you anticipate to take place in sustainable fund selection going forward? Because it seems like we have some innovation uh, coming through like every other month, if not like every year. Um, so I was wondering, what does the future hold in your view uh, for, for the space? I think it will, you know, continue to become, you know, more mainstream. That sustainable investing will, I might even say, you know, become the norm to a certain extent. That so for some form of, you know, ESG integration will take place in in most strategies. Might not call them all sustainable strategies, but at least, um, you know, some form of of ESG integration will take place. Um, Becoming mainstream means also, you know, more products available. Um, and I think this is something that is a, a very positive uh, development. And um, more regulation, which is also positive, um, help evolve, help strengthen, you know, the sustainable investment franchise, kind of, you know, streamline, streamline a little bit or provide minimum standards, which is uh, much needed um, to really avoid the risk of, greenwashing and I think also um, an important perhaps change um, is that investors understand or will understand that sustainable investing is not just about investing in the already good uh, companies but uh, that you can also use your investments uh, and focus on improving um, and here I'm talking particularly about engagement. I mentioned it earlier. And I think, personally, I would really like to see 
more strategies that truly focus on engagement where uh, there is a very clear engagement path for the strategy with KPIs set um, at the launch uh, with a portfolio constructed with the view of engaging with companies on really using um, the, 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 the power you have as a shareholder uh, to make companies change, uh, to focus on improvements. And I think this is a big um, topic that will um, hopefully increase the number of products in the next few years and change also a little bit perhaps the landscape of sustainable investments. Thank you very much, Hanne. Well, that's, uh, that was a very interesting conversation. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Margarita. It was a pleasure. <laughs>